You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I want to start off right away with something. Um, I keep seeing it happen, and I find it to be very weird, and I don't know why it keeps happening, and I figure I should probably address it. Just a couple examples. Um, I was just trolling through Lions Reddit, just because I felt like punishing myself, I guess. But um, one of the things that somebody had posted was sort of a quarterback rankings throughout the NFC. It had Jordan Love at the back. Now, not that big of a deal. You can have whatever opinion you want. But it's not necessarily that that's the opinion. It's that I'm noticing a trend in how people come to their opinions. And I don't really understand why this is becoming a thing, but it at least seems to be a thing. I want to read this. Uh, This is an ESPN article sort of ranking all of the teams uh, post-draft. And each uh, team has their own writer. In this case, ESPN's Packer guy is Rob Domofsky. Here's what he had to say. The Packers ultimately ranked 20th. Most improved, it says, nowhere. And it says, this is an all-out rebuild, regardless of what the Packers want to call it. Just digging in his heels on that one. And not to get stuck on it, but although there are significantly better words to use, way better words to use, rebuilt, I will accept. Rebuilding, I will not. Anyways... It says, that doesn't mean they won't be better at some spots by the end of the season, but you can't be better right now at quarterback going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, or at receiver after losing Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, or at tight end after losing Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis. Even on defense, the addition of first-round pick Lucas Van Ness makes the Packers better at the spot only if Rashawn Gary comes back from his ACL, and that date is still to be determined. So this is just kind of a, I guess, a loose example. But, but for the most part, where I see it are these rankings lists. And usually the way that this goes is you have, let's just say everybody is ranked out of 10. In fact, let me, let me just pull some, something up here just so we can kind of do this live. And we'll just use PFF as an example, all right? So if we go to PFF and go to the 2022 season, there were 41 different quarterbacks that had uh, you know, somewhat of a significant amount of passing attempts. So if you were to put this in a, in a tier, 41, pretty close to 40. So, so let's just say that groups of 10, and again, I didn't do this ahead of time, so some of these quarterbacks are not going to be playing next year, but whatever. But just, just to give you an idea. So the, the um, top 10 quarterbacks would be a five, right? They would be top tier. Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers. That's the top 10. Pretty sure all those quarterbacks, eh, maybe not Dalton. Most of those quarterbacks, let's add Geno in then, would be at the top, right? So that's, that's your top tier out of our, our five. You do that all the way down, and then the fourth out of five tier would be the bottom 10. I know it sounds weird, but just bear with me. So uh, let's see, Zach Wilson's not there, but let's just pretend. Zach Wilson, Taylor Heineke, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, Justin Fields, Cooper Rush, Tyler Huntley, Carson Wentz, and Skylar Thompson would be the bottom the, the um, fourth tier down, so the, the, the number one tier. So five, four, three, two, one. Then on the bottom tier 
would be all the unknowns, such as Jordan Love. Now, not everybody's exactly doing this, but I have noticed that Jordan Love being an unknown generally puts him on the bottom tier. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to feel about any one particular player. If you believe he's going to be a good quarterback or a bad quarterback or whatever, that's sort of indifferent. What I don't understand is why an unknown would go to the bottom of the pile. Do we all genuinely believe that rookie quarterbacks, let's just say, for example, even though this is a terrible rookie class, but would you put them automatically below Zach Wilson just because they go to the bottom of the pile? Or if you had to estimate, would you estimate something maybe a little bit different? For example, if I had to estimate a, uh, any particular quarterback, maybe it wouldn't be smack dab in the middle, but on a, on a tier with five tiers, I would probably put him somewhere between two and three, maybe just set him right at three, I don't know. Maybe out of ten would be better, and i put him at four. In other words, I would maybe put them around where Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, those are terrible examples because those are three guys that are generally much higher. Um, let's say, oh, Matt Ryan also, Marcus Mariota level. Now, that's going to upset some people because how dare you put him above guys like Justin Fields and, and Baker Mayfield and et cetera, et cetera. But there's no reason to put them at the bottom, right? That would be somewhat surprising if if out of all of these quarterbacks they were dead last so what i'd rather do is is kind of estimate where rookie quarterbacks generally are and go smack dab in the middle of that so in other words not in the middle of all the best quarterbacks because generally rookie quarterbacks don't come out and they're pat mahomes joe burrow right away unless you're joe burrow and this is the same kind of thing even though there aren't maybe necessarily direct charts like in this article from espn but there does seem to be an automatic assumption that because you are a rookie, you go to the bottom of the pile, you are bad. Right? So, for example, we, he says we cannot replace Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Why? The only reason that we cannot expect to replace them is if we have to assume that it's impossible that we can have players fill those roles and be any better or even as good as Lazard and Cobb were. And as we know, Lazard and Cobb were not elite wide receivers. They were at best mediocre wide receivers. Again, we are assuming that the people filling those roles are going to be bad. We have to assume it. I don't know why, but we have to. Let me read that section of the sentence again. It says, but you can't be bad. You can't be better right now at quarterback going from Rodgers to Love, which, again, if I had to guess, I wouldn't put him inside the top 10. But let's leave quarterback aside. You can't be better at receiver after losing Lazard and Randall Cobb, and you can't be better at tight end after losing Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis. Can't is the word he chose to use. Not unlikely. It's a, it's a somewhat strange statement to make, especially considering last year's rookie Christian Watson was already better than Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. And, and they weren't bad wide receivers. Alan Lazard was a high-end number two at ranking 34th. Randall Cobb was sort of a mid-range number two, ranking 42nd. But to come in and, and assume that the people filling their roles, which, which not only includes the rookies that we have, but the second-year players who are going to be playing a more prominent role in physically taking those spots and those reps and those snaps. We can't replace Lazard and Randall Cobb. It's especially strange, you know, we're kind of getting away from it, just picking specifically on Rob Domofsky, but it's such a strange sentence to start it by saying, that doesn't mean you won't be better at some spot uh, by the end of the season, but you can't be better right now. 
So he's conceding that you, you can be better by the end of the year, but you can't be by the beginning of the year. That doesn't make any sense. But anyways, then you have the tight ends. Um, Robert Tunyon ranked 37th among 42 tight ends. Mercedes Lewis, I mean, my goodness. As a receiver, do you realize that he ranked 95th out of 103 tight ends? Now, overall, he wasn't terrible, but pop quiz, how many targets did Mercedes Lewis have on the season? Just out of curiosity. Any idea? Seven. Six receptions for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Did I say out of 109? 119 tight ends, he was 95th. 25th worst receiving tight end out of 119. Yes, the blocking obviously was above average, clearly. Could even say he was one of the better blocking tight ends. Let me ask you, what's more important, receiving or blocking? So is it impossible, absolutely impossible, that the tight ends that we drafted are better than Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon? Do you know where Tunyon ranked as a receiver, by the way? 60th. Josiah DeGuara was 48th. He was actually our best receiving tight end. 60th. So 60th and uh, 95th out of 119 is where our tight ends ranked. Is it impossible that our tight ends come in better? Is it possible that one of them comes in better? Is it possible that one of them is a top 60 receiving tight end in the NFL? If so, the Green Bay Packers actually have improved their roster which is a claim that has been made constantly that the Packers have done nothing to improve their roster. There seems to be this, this weird way of... I mean, we sort of just say things without a whole lot of... Uh, I don't know how to, how to say it, but... For example, some people will say that and mean they haven't done much or anything big in free agency. We'll just discount the draft. Some people will look at it and say, well, all you did is replace people that left without looking at, for example, the context of could it still be an improvement. Again, you can still assume whatever you want, and obviously you can look at seventh-round picks and say, I don't think they're even going to play, so no, I don't think it's an upgrade. I think taking in contextual factors like that matters. I'll also grant him that he's probably right about Lucas Van Ness, in that it's unlikely Lucas Van Ness comes in and is as good or better than Rashawn Gary. I still would sort of um, take issue with the idea that the roster has not improved, although maybe not immediately, which is what he said at the beginning. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm in agreement as far as Lucas Van Ness is concerned. When Rashawn Gary comes back, there's every reason to expect that that position group will improve. But again, I, I, just, I just genuinely don't understand this. So what I would do is I would actually look at the situation and look at what makes the most sense. Again, and, and yes, there, there is a direct link between this and putting Jordan Love above Justin Fields. That isn't the only important thing. Again, it's all the other positions as well. The Packers have no wide receivers. Why do you, how do you know that? Because we haven't seen the wide receivers yet. Okay, that means we don't know if they have any good wide receivers. It does not mean that we don't have wide receivers. And again, we're getting into nitpicky language here, but it is important because same with rebuilding and rebuilt. Just a couple letters difference, and it might sound nitpicky, but, but they're two entirely different teams. A rebuilding team and a rebuilt team are very different teams. That's why I would rather we just use a different word altogether. But there's a big difference between a team with bad receivers and question marks at receiver. And, and this is constantly getting inflated. The Packers are being put on the same tier with teams that have really bad wide receivers. They're also being put on tiers with teams who have really bad quarterbacks and really bad tight ends. Why? 
We don't know where they're going to end up. And this is also why I have to assume that the Packers are going to over, um, overperform against expectations because the expectation seems to be set by people who assume that if you're new, you're bad, which has never been an expectation. Again, rookie quarterbacks come in all the time. Everybody expects them to be great. Rookie, rookie wide receivers come in all the time. They're expected to be great. But for whatever reason, when we look at the Packers, everything is going to be horrible. I mean, even Lucas Van Ness. Think back to some of the wide receivers that have gotten taken in that range. What were some of the expectations of those wide receivers? Think about some of the players in general. Quarterbacks, running backs, cornerbacks. There's every expectation that they're going to come in and be very good. Usually way too much so. But Lucas Van Ness, it's eh, eh. I mean, has anybody talked about the fact that when Rashawn Gary is back, there's a potential for one of the best pass rush duos in football? I'm not even saying that's rational. I'm just saying... Generally, we don't get rational from national media or local media. Chicago Bears media is far from rational. They are the most irrational people on planet Earth. Has it come up? Has anybody mentioned it? Aside from maybe in three years, it might be kind of maybe sort of something, kind of maybe a little bit sort of. So there's kind of a weird thing where on one hand, I'm trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and just saying, you know, maybe just everybody that's an unknown gets put low, but at the same time, we know that that's not the case. In fact, we can prove that just looking at the quarterbacks. Where is Jordan Love put? Way at the bottom tier. No matter where you look, way at the bottom tier. And if you question somebody on it, they'll say, well, we haven't seen anything yet. Where does that compare with Bryce Young, who we haven't seen yet? Well, he was drafted higher. Yeah, and Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. Well, let's call it even. And so I I think I know where this comes from, even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense. There was another article here. Uh, Where did this come from? Oh, it's another ESPN article. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. Doesn't matter. This was the over-under projections for each team. And um, over-under for the Packers was set at 7.5. It says Mike Clay's projection 7.6. Prediction under 7.5 wins was uh, their projection. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Here's what he had to say. I just haven't seen enough from quarterback Jordan Love in his career to have any confidence that he can capably replace Aaron Rodgers. Now, I want to pause there because, again, we're kind of doing it again. I haven't seen enough is directly linked with he won't be very good. And again, there's so many things that get conflated. Well, he can't replace Rodgers. Which Rodgers? Are we talking about 2022 Rodgers, 2011, 2019, 2009? What are we talking about? And this is the problem with like not very well thought out things is everything's just kind of this mash of nonsense that isn't that, that, that's so hard to pin down because it's just this umbrella thing. I, I just haven't seen enough from him. Does that mean he's bad? Well, no, but he can't replace Rodgers. Which Rodgers? Well, uh, if you say any Rodgers, then that includes the bad versions of Rodgers, which means, again, we're getting back to saying Jordan Love will not be very good. If it only means the good Rodgers, then it doesn't have anything to do with last year, so there's no reason to believe that we can't overperform based on last year. So you have to stop and think about what it is you're actually talking about and be very specific and then come back to me. But because it all gets conflated, we just say, Aaron Rodgers, great. Aaron Rodgers, gone. Packers, last year, bad. Packers, therefore, worse. So they go from bad to worse, which is just this mind-numbingly stupid thing. But again, the very first sentence directly ties, haven't seen enough from Jordan Love, therefore he won't be very good. Despite all the the discussions last year about him actually looking quite good, 
it doesn't matter because we get back to, yeah, but we haven't seen enough. Okay, but it's not bad what you've seen, right? Well, a long time ago it was. Okay, but most recently it wasn't bad, was it? Well, no, but I still haven't seen enough. Okay, so we're just saying haven't seen enough. We're not saying he was bad. We're just saying we don't have good but not enough information. But then we, then we continue on. This is the real crux of it. This is what everybody outside of Green Bay thinks. And this is what probably about 45% of Packer fans think. It says, I think this franchise is in for a pretty big shock when it realizes how many warts he covered up and overcame. That's the thing right there. The Packers have to take a step back. We cannot acknowledge the team is going to get better. It's impossible. No matter what, that's the default that's built into the back of everybody's brain, and that's why there is this weird thing where everybody else sort of gets this credit, where everybody else can take a step forward, but the Packers, even if we're not talking about quarterback, can't. They can't go forward. The receivers can't get better, even if the receivers themselves are better because they have a worse quarterback. The tight ends, even though, even if they've improved, they will not get better because the quarterback's worse. And in fact, Alan Lazard is 10 times better than he actually was because, again, this mystical, mythical thing where quarterbacks make all these receivers better than they actually are, which nobody has ever been able to prove to me, ever. We've looked at it. Wide receivers go from team to team to team. They don't really, I mean, sometimes they can get better or worse, but it has really no direct reason to believe that it had to do with that team, as opposed to just being another year. Right? Jordy fell off after he left, but he was already in a steep decline. Devontae did not. And again, everybody that came here didn't seem to get any better. Who came here and got better? So again, Aaron Rodgers covered up all these flaws. He made all this garbage look great, except when other people's other teams' garbage came here, they didn't look great. In fact, almost every single one of them that I could think of looked worse. Jimmy Graham was significantly better in Seattle than when he got here. Martellus Bennett was better in New England, I think was a team before, than when he was here, by a mile. Sammy Watkins was better in Baltimore last year than he was when he came here with Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and beyond all of that, what is the one thing that he's making look good that is bad? And this is what I, I would especially want Packer fans to answer this, because this is the charge that I constantly have to give Packer fans. Because if Aaron Rodgers is just making a bunch of garbage look good, then I want you to describe to me who that garbage is. Give me names. Who's the garbage? Is it Aaron Jones? Is he garbage? Is it A.J. Dillon? Is it David Bakhtiari? Is he just making him look good? By the way, you guys have been pissing and moaning about all the wide receivers. I thought he just made people look good magically. Why didn't he make them look good? That, that's the other thing that drives me nuts. Christian Watson will emerge, and it's like, well, yeah, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Okay, explain to me why other people have not. Explain to me why Jamon Moore did not do anything when he was here. He doesn't just make things magically happen. Good receivers are good receivers. Bad receivers are bad receivers. And Aaron Rodgers has zero bearing, as far as I can tell, on anything relating to these guys. There are a lot of wide receivers who are very good with bad quarterbacks. And you know what? Nobody looks at them and thinks they're bad wide receivers. Devontae Adams didn't take a step back when he went to a much worse quarterback. Why? Because the quarterback had no bearing on his ability to run wide open. He can still do his job. If the quarterback overthrows the ball or underthrows the ball or doesn't see him open or whatever the case may be, that has no bearing on his ability to play. It might hurt your fantasy football team a little bit, but that's fantasy land. That's fake world. That has nothing to do with the real world in which you analyze players and their ability to do a good job. Aaron Rodgers can't make wide receivers play better. So specifically, what is it that he's making everybody else look good doing? And, and, and considering how many Packer fans, we, how many times we all sat here and watched guys run open and he chose not to throw the ball, I, I really just don't think I want to freaking hear it. But this is the kind of 
lame brain, lazy nonsense that gets spewed out that nobody can defend and nobody even tries to. And if you try to challenge somebody on it, you know what you're going to hear? Oh, come on. You actually think, oh, come on. You actually really, oh, 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 oh. No actual thought goes into it whatsoever. No data, no evidence, no nothing. Nobody has even put a shred of thought into it other than, well, duh. Right? This is, this is, this is literally shallow thinking, which is on its surface without thinking about a single other thing. If you just narrow your vision as much as you can, and if you squint real hard and just look at the singular question, does it seem likely that Aaron Rodgers being a really good quarterback would make the team seem better than it is? Yes. Don't think about anything else. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't. If you do, you're going to start to see holes in it real quick. Don't do it. Does he make the offense better? Yeah, because he's the quarterback of the football team. His contribution by himself as a quarterback makes the offense better. Gduh. That doesn't mean he magically makes garbage wide receivers amazing, which, again, hilarious from a bunch of people that never liked our wide receivers to begin with. It's not as though we had a bunch of Devontae Adams running around and it's like, dude, what if, what if he leaves and they're not Devontae Adamses anymore? We don't have that. We had one Devontae Adams and he left. And he was just as good as when he was here. But I think, again, I think this is where it all stems from. Everybody is just written off the Packers. Because this, this, is what always, this is what everybody has always believed. This is the narrative that has been going on since forever. Aaron Rodgers makes this really bad football team go. It's why our, our coach gets no credit. He's, he's the only coach in NFL history to win 13 games three years in a row. Nobody, most people don't even think he's a good coach. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers did it all. By the way, you want to know why some people are so bitter toward Aaron Rodgers? This is part of it. The guy gets so much credit for freaking everything. Gutekunst is trash. Why? Because everything good is Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur is trash. Why? Because everything good is Aaron Rodgers. Anything good you try to say about anybody, it's always, yeah, well, that's because you have Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur's doing a great job. Well, it's easy when you have Aaron Rodgers. Christian Watson, look, well, let's see. Yeah, he has Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Tired of it. Tired of it, tired of it, tired of it. It's just constant slander 24-7. Everything about your team is trash. Your players, your coach, your GM, your stupid fans and city, and everything about you is a freaking joke that has been propped up by a couple good quarterbacks. That's the only reason you even have a franchise. You guys should have been run out of the league a long time ago, but Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers saved your sorry franchises. And we just let people run with it. And again, about half our fan base wants to believe it. Amazing how every Sunday we can cheer for the guys that we have on our team. We can get excited about the talent that we have. But then Rodgers leaves and it's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe Jair is not going to be good anymore because Rodgers left or something. I just don't freaking understand it. Who is the one person? Let me, let me just ask it this way. Give me one person that you really like, that you felt was a really big asset, that now that Rodgers is gone, you don't think they're much of an asset anymore. Who is one person? person one can you think of one he was an asset now he's not i can't i can't think of one if you want to be a smart aleck you could say jordan love i guess he was an asset when he was on the bench helping rogers with his clipboard and now he's a liability ha 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 funny joke that aside i got nothing so what are we talking about i think this franchise is in for a pretty big shock when it realizes how many warts he covered up and overcame like what but again, this is, this is, nobody has to back this up. It's just a basic thing and nobody would even argue it. 
You could go on ESPN and drop that line and everybody would sit around the table and nod and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's all just seen as as um, showing a baseline level of respect to a Hall of Fame level quarterback. That's all it is. It's just a baseline level of respect. Nobody cares about the disrespect to everybody else on the team. As Packer fans, we should, but they don't have to care. It's just a cast-off line for one of 32 teams, one of which they couldn't care less about. Nobody cares about the Packers. It's just a thing that pops up. And by the way, now that Rodgers is gone, everybody's so happy to just cast us off. Right? The only reason anybody cared about the Packers was because of Rodgers. And now that he's gone, all these Hollywood, New York media types, they couldn't give a crap. They would love nothing more than for us to just crash and burn. Good. Done. Wipe my hands with that. Let's move on to something else. Let's let's have a new team step up. We're tired of talking about them. And again, I'm not banging the drum saying, hey, you, I, I demand everybody say we're going to be in the playoffs. I haven't said that. I'm just saying at least say things that make sense. Don't say Jordan Love is a bottom-tier quarterback just because you haven't seen him yet. Don't say our, our wide receivers can't replace Randall Cobb because I don't know why. Or that our tight ends can't replace Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis, no disrespect to Big Dog, great leader, top-level blocker even to the end of his, his, his time here. But, I mean, come on, man. From a receiving standpoint, replacing those two, probably not very hard at all. Even as rookies. Again, highest-graded receiving tight end on our team was Josiah DeGuara. And as much as I like Josiah, he ain't Travis Kelsey. So there's plenty of reasons to be pessimistic about the Packers. The defense last year was abysmal. We don't know what Joe Barry brings. And although they were uh, seemingly figured something out after their bye week last year, who knows? Special teams is entirely probable to take a step back. Having a question mark at quarterback is, of course, a massive concern in terms of you know the difference between a top-five quarterback and a top-20 quarterback is a massive difference. We also have questions f- across our offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends. Just our entire offense and how it's structured and how long is it going to take for these guys to come together and how many weeks is it going to take before they get into a rhythm, if they get into a rhythm. And that's offense and defense. Plenty of reasons. But let's not be stupid about stuff. Unknown doesn't mean bad, it just means unknown. But the other crazy thing is things that we should be excited about, we're also not only not excited about, we're, we're seemingly putting in the either unknown to bad column. We'll get to that after we take a quick break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You know, I was listening to uh, Clayton's most recent podcast with Dusty Evely, and, and despite all the great takeaways, <laughs> and there were a lot, it was actually the, I think it was the music played at the end that really got me, I shouldn't say it got me thinking, this is, usually how this works is something kind of builds and builds and builds and builds until something finally pushes me over the edge, and that pushed me over the edge. Here is the audio. For Jordan Love. 37, here he is throwing in the middle, it's caught by Watson, he's got great speed, turning the corner, Christian Watson down the sideline, and he will score! Whoa! Hang on! Love... To Watson, to a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control, and then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something. When he gets in the open field and running, that was some throw by Jordan Love, too. All right. The reason that kind of got me was because that was not an uncommon way for people to talk. How much time? Shut up at the time. It was very common. It was constant. The Packers seem to have found another second round wide receiver superstar. I don't know how they do it. They just keep finding these guys. It's amazing. And then after the season, the Packers found another superstar talk turned into... Christian Watson seems pretty good. We'll see what the other guys have. And now we seem to be at a point where he's become just another unknown. And as we know, the unknowns go into the bad column. So he went from superstar to, I guess we'll see. This guy comes from a small school, was out twice due to injuries. Once was recovering from uh, surgery, and then he comes back, had almost no time in the offseason whatsoever to prepare or get get ready or anything. Plays a little bit. Rodgers doesn't really want to throw to him, especially after that drop. He got, gets more or less taken out of the offense. Gets injured again. And then week 10, they decide, hey, let's start leaning on the guy and, and look what happens. Even with all that, he was the 24th best wide receiver in football. Overall, he had 611 yards and seven receiving touchdowns. That's on just 270 routes run. For reference... Tyreek Hill, who had the most yards in the NFL, ran 580. So 300 more than Christian Watson did. 300 more routes. More than double. Same amount of touchdowns. Same amount of receiving touchdowns. I'm guessing he had less touchdowns overall, considering the rushing touchdowns. Which is why if you look at yards per route run, he was actually 11th in the NFL. But that's for the entire season. And remember, for the first half of the season... They basically didn't really utilize him at all. If you look at week 10, when he actually started becoming a part of the offense, and you can see this in terms of his routes run, that's when his routes run started going, going up. Do you know where he graded in the NFL? He was the sixth best wide receiver one spot. He was actually tied, tied with Devontae Adams as far as his overall grade. His receiving grade, ninth best. Two spots behind Devontae. But he was ahead of Keenan Allen, DJ Moore, 
um, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, ahead of all those guys when he actually started playing in the second half. I don't know why PFF is kind of broken right now. It's making me go back to week nine in order to include week 10, which is weird. But anyways, we'll go from week 9-10, I guess. Ninth in overall grade, one spot ahead of Garrett Wilson. He had the 18th most yards. He was uh, second in touchdowns behind only Devontae Adams. Ninth highest receiving grade. Uh, if you look at his, um, if you look at yards per route run from week 10, he was third. It's Jerry Judy, then Devontae Adams, then Christian Watson, then Justin Jefferson, then Amon Ross St. Brown. That was the top five. And, and, and listen, if this, was, if this was, you know, Jamar Chase or Drake London or any of the other, you know, earlier wide receivers or whatever, or, or Garrett Wilson, would anybody be questioning it? If this was Chris Olave, by the way, where are the other uh, rookie wide receivers? Let's take a look here. Um, wrong year, 2022. Um, Olave, yeah, he was 2.49 yards per route run. If he was in the top five, would anybody be saying anything other than this guy is elite, this, that, or the other? If it was George Pickens, who was ninth just among rookies, behind Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Rashid Shaheed, Chris Olave, and Christian Watson. If George Pickens was in the top five, would everybody be freaking out right now? Of course they would. But what happens when it's Christian Watson? And again, I don't get it, because we were all in agreement. The national media, everybody, everybody was in agreement. This guy is a superstar. And then that just went right out the door. And, you know, some, you might think, well, yeah, but he, he kind of tapered after his, his couple big games. What are you talking about? Week 18 against Detroit, 104 yards. He was, had his highest graded game of the season, 88.2, a 90 receiving grade. Week 18 against Detroit. Five receptions, 104 yards, 20.8 yards per reception. What are we even talking about? You know, it's actually funny. You know, the three highest graded receivers, receiving grades, for receivers in week 18, Garrett Wilson, Christian Watson, Drake London. After that is Jerry Judy, then Jahan Dotson. That's so crazy. They're all young guys. Um, Jerry's a couple years older, but, but of the top five, you have uh, all rookies. In fact, you know who's next is Jalen Naylor. That's so weird. Five of the top six were rookies. That's the weirdest thing ever. Anyways, second highest receiving grade week 18. So no, he didn't fall off at the end. And, and, and this is a half a season. And, and, and it was from the moment they started using him. Why, not only are we not even talking about what he was last year, we're not taking it to the next level of what he could be next year. We're talking about year two in the end. Of, this was him just trying to figure things out. He's just stumbling and bumbling around on the field, and this is what he did. He didn't freaking understand the offense, much less what Aaron Rodgers expected of him. Are you kidding me? What happens in year two? Nobody cares. Nobody knows. He, he can't be Randall Cobb. That's all I know. <laughs> this guy? No, he can't. He, he can't quite fill those shoes, right? He can't be like Lazard, like a real number one wide receiver. He can't do that. What are we talking about here? You see what I mean about how everything is weird? Like, like, we're not allowed to assume anything unless we assume something negative. Can we talk about Dobbs in year two? All we're allowed to talk about seemingly 
is what he did last year, but then also saying because it was a small sample size, it's possible he's worse. Is it possible he gets better? Second year in the offense, having more chemistry with the quarterback, more time with the quarterback, more time in the offense, having understood it. Oh, and by the way, not as much of an injury-riddled season. Any of that going to have a positive effect, or is it all just negative? By the way, the, the absolute cluster of an offense we had that was trying to force-feed Lazard and Randall Cobb because they just had to be on the field, rather than just putting Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs in the offense much more because that's where they belong. No, 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 no. Last four weeks of the season, down to the bitter end, Alan Lazard, 123 routes run, Christian Watson, 96, Randall Cobb, 69, Romeo Dobbs, 59. To the bitter end, Christian Watson forced his way onto the field more so than, than the other guys did. Not as much as Lazard, mind you. Lazard is still wide receiver one. All the way through the season, he was wide receiver one. Then it was Christian with Randall in the slot and Romeo Dobbs relegated to the gutter. Just a rotational guy that comes in once in a while. Is there any doubt that it should have been Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as the number one and the number two with Randall being the slot guy? It shouldn't have been Lazard and Christian. It should have been Romeo and Christian. I mean, just look at, look at the grades. Christian Watson, 80. Romeo Dobbs, 67. Not great, but it's better than the 62 of Alan Lazard or the 54 of Randall Cobb. Come on, man. As a rookie, Romeo Dobbs was better. And that's the entire point. While it wasn't that much better, you're right. How much better could it have been if we would have just allowed him to play instead of keeping him on the bench so that we could force-feed Alan Lazard because we just insist on him being something that we know that he isn't? Same with Randall. Are you seriously going to sit here and tell me Lazard and Watson and Cobb we know for a fact is better than Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jaden Reed? Can we at least freaking entertain the possibility that this year's trio is going to be a little bit better than last year's trio. That Christian Watson in year two, Randall uh, Romeo Dobbs in, in year two, and Jaden Reed over Randall Cobb is possibly better than Lazard Watson as a rookie with a, with a half a year experience and no offseason, and Romeo Dobbs with injuries and in his first year. Like We know for a fact that was better. And, and, and Randall, who had a 56 receiving grade, 54 overall. Come on, man. What are we doing here? And even even, even the quarterback situation. And, 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 and listen, I will grant you that with Aaron Rodgers being a top 10 quarterback, it's a slightly tall order to expect him to be better. But why don't we just look at it? Even in the small sample size that we saw of Jordan Love, who was graded higher? Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers? It was Jordan Love. 77 compared to 75. They're basically the same, but Jordan Love was slightly better. And a 77, by the way, it's not... Listen, if it was like a 90, you might look at it, okay, come on. He's not going to maintain that for a season. A 77? 77 is solid, but it's not MVP caliber quarterback. Jordan Love can absolutely be a 77 graded quarterback throughout the season. He won't win any MVPs. He might not even be the best quarterback in the NFC North at a 77. He might be third at a 77, but he'd still be better than Aaron Rodgers was this past year. Or at least we could say as good. So again, th this thing where we have to assume, we have to assume he's going to be not only worse, we're not just talking a little bit worse, like, okay, I'll give him a 72, but he's not going to be a 75.9 like Rodgers was. No way. No, 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 no. He has to be significantly worse. This is a big drop-off. Like, maybe 61 at best. Why do I have to assume that?
Why do I have to assume that? Forget the forget the Eagles game. Forget it. Yeah, small say I get it. Fine. Why do I have to assume he's bad? Here's the answer to the question. I don't. I don't have to assume anything. He came in ice cold against one of the best defenses in football and played better than Aaron Rodgers did. Because you know what? That was Aaron Rodgers' season grade. That wasn't what he did against Philadelphia. You know what he did against Philadelphia? That was actually his lowest graded game of the entire season. He had a 57 passing grade. It was his worst game. Jordan Love, 77. Again, very small. I get all that. I get it. But he could have easily come in and had a 29 grade. And you know what would happen if he did? Nobody would be saying small sample size. Nobody did against the Chiefs when he graded out poorly. No, 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 no. That's who he really is. We know. We saw him. Heck, we got people talking about college and the preseason and everything else. Aaron Rodgers, worst game of the season against one of the stiffest defenses of the entire season. Jordan Love comes in, almost freaking wins the game, has a 77 grade, which is better than his entire season grade. By the way, it would be his, let's see, one, two, three, fourth highest grade of the season, Aaron Rodgers. If, if Jordan Love had finished that game at a 77, he would have gone up against the Eagles and had the fourth highest passing grade Aaron Rodgers had all year against a team that gave Aaron Rodgers his lowest graded passing grade of the entire season. But I, I'm forced to assume that Jordan Love can't produce. I don't think I have to assume that if I don't feel like it. I don't have to assume... I, I, in fact... I'm trying to think, what, what position group is going to be worse than last year? Definitively. It's not quarterback. Is he going to be worse than 2020 Rodgers? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable saying he'll be worse than 2020 Rodgers. 2020 Rodgers, he had a 95.1 overall grade, 94.7 passing grade. I don't expect that. In fact, 2021, he had a 90 overall grade and an 87 passing grade. I don't really expect him to surpass that either. Can he, but can he be about as good as one of his worst years ever? I think so. I do. You know how many games Aaron Rodgers graded out as good? Seven. Is Jordan Love going to be perfect? No. Is it possible in this season he has seven good games? Let me ask you this. Is it impossible? Is it impossible considering how many presumably bad defenses we're going up against? Considering what he did against the Eagles in the short time that he was there. But again, he didn't have any problems with it. Seemed to execute just fine. Is it impossible he has seven good games? I don't think it's impossible. So... Look, my position on the Green Bay Packers is that it's wide open. They could be very good. They could be very bad. I don't know what's going to happen. But you absolutely cannot tell me that you know this team is going to be bad. You can't tell me that. Even if you want to look at safety and say safety is going to be bad, it was already bad last year. In fact, even with Amos leaving, it's entirely possible our safeties are better than last year just because of how horrifically bad our safeties were last year. Free agents can come in and perform at a higher level. In fact, I, I guarantee you I can go on PFF right now and find undrafted free agents that played at a higher level than our two safeties did last year. In fact, one of them played on our team. His name was Rudy Ford. In fact, I would borderline expect our safeties to be better this year. As a matter of fact, most of our team underperformed to such a staggering level, it would be surprising at almost every position if they don't perform better. Corner, linebacker, pass rusher, defensive tackle. Safety, wide receiver, tight end, maybe not running back, maybe not quarterback. I wouldn't assume these things. Maybe not tight end. Again, just because of the wild unknowns, I wouldn't necessarily assume it, although it would not be surprising at any of them. I probably wouldn't assume offensive line, although there's no reason to expect it to be any worse. You know, unless we're predicting injury. I mean, we've got 
Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, if they're healthy, uh, that, that should be significantly better than last year, just based on the fact that, first of all, Elton Jenkins took a half a year to get back in shape. No reason to expect Myers or Runyon to get worse, and the right side of the line is either going to be the same as it was or improved because somebody else won the job. I don't see anything about this team that I look at and go, ooh, that's a big step back. There are facets, yeah, I mean, the, the experience. Of course, the experience at quarterback is mad. The experience at wide receiver is massive. But so what? Would you rather have Watson or Lazard? Experience isn't everything. Why is Sterling Sharp trending? Oh, oh, oh. It's that stupid. If you could only choose one player to have an injury-free career, who would it be? That, that's a good answer. Anyways, I'm actually going to leave it at that. I think uh, before I launch into a new thing, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good spot to start, stop. Again, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. There are good players and good teams. There are mediocre players and mediocre teams. There are bad players and bad teams. And then there's another category called, I have no idea. And a lot of what Green Bay is, is in the I have no idea category. That's different than bad. It's not to say it can't be bad. It means it's different than bad. Different than good, different than mediocre. It's a separate category. Every team, to some degree, is a massive question mark because there's, there's questions all over the place. The Bears, you know, with, don't know about the tackle, don't know about the guard they brought in, don't know about Fields, don't know about DJ Moore and, and some of the other pieces there. And Mooney could potentially get better because I don't know what the heck was the problem with him last year. All right, the defense, you know, whatever. But the Packers are, are, are in a unique position because of how little information there are at so many po positions and, and such key positions. But a question mark is not bad. They're not synonymous, and we need to stop pretending that they are. And when people do that, they're being stupid. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.